You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so here's your little tagline from Avengers Infinity War. This is actually from Marvel Studios. Um, to, and and this, this is kind of like what the movie is about. To protect the world from threats too large for any one hero to handle. To protect the world from threats too large for any one hero to handle. And that's kind of a good tagline for the sermon today also. One of the things that, that Marvel has been doing over the last 10, 15 years, I don't know how many years, is, is uh, all, all these different movies, you know, like Captain America, you know, the Thor movies, the, the Spider-Man movies, the Iron Man movies, is they've, been, they've kind of been teasing us that, that everybody's coming together for something big. You know, they've been, kind of been teasing us in all of that. And so that's, that's a little bit of what now we're seeing with the Avengers movies and, and these, these few that are coming out. Uh, let me give you a spoiler alert right here, okay? For those of you that didn't raise your hand because you hadn't watched the movie yet, if you're planning on watching it this afternoon, you might want to stick your fingers in years, okay? Uh, but probably most of you, I mean, it's a year old. If you're not really into them and you haven't watched them yet, you're probably not watching it yet, so you're probably not concerned about this. But here's a spoiler for you, okay? The good guys do not win. <laughs> the Avengers don't win at the end of the movie, you know? So now, some of you who are not really into, into superhero movies are thinking, why in the world would you watch a two-hour and 20-plus minute movie when you know that the good guys aren't going to win? You know, wh- why is it that we like mo- a movie like that? Because, you know, those of you who uh, do like the movies, you heard people talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, and those of you hadn't, maybe you've heard, still heard people talk about, it, about how awesome this movie is. How can we see this movie as being so awesome when... The good guys don't win. Now, I know why. I thought the movie was awesome, even though the good guys didn't win in the end. But I did ask some other people, and I Googled it a little bit just to kind of see, just to make sure I'm not missing here. And here's the reason. is We love seeing all of our superheroes in this one movie, and we love seeing all of our superheroes working together, fighting against the evil together. I counted, this is by my count, 28 superheroes in this movie. And we love we love seeing all of them do that. We love seeing all of them come together. It's like you're sitting there and all of a sudden, oh, boom, look, look there's another one. And, oh, there's another one. There's another one. And some of those that maybe you really didn't think about as well. You know, really, really cool to see all that. So that's why we love the movie. It's because it's like the tagline a few minutes ago. It's all these people coming together. All these people coming together to, to fight something that was too big for one hero to handle. But you know what comes with that also, don't you? All right, let me ask you this question, and uh, some of you who saw the movie, maybe you want to guess right here. If you were in the first service, don't guess, okay, because you already know. Uh, but uh, let me ask you this. So out of all these uh, superheroes over here on the screen here, and actually the guy in the middle, the big guy with the, you know, the kind of the bluish face right there, I mean, he's the bad guy, okay? So not, not counting him, you know, which of these superheroes do you think had the most screen time? Anybody? Anybody? Iron Man? Iron Man, you think? No. <laughs> Anybody? Just Thor. That's a good guess, but it's wrong. <laughs> Anybody? What? What? Hulk. Hulk. Oh, of course it's the Hulk. No, it's not the Hulk either. Here's the one. The person that had the most screen time was Gamora. 
The, the, that's the green lady right there, kind of to the middle of, on the left side of, and up in the middle. Gomorrah. Who's Gomorrah, right? Is she from that story in the Bible, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah? No, no, a different one, okay? That's a different one. This, this is like Gomorrah, spelled differently and everything, okay? Uh, so, so and, and listen, here's, here's the two, I already told you, two hours and 20 plus minutes, right? And she had the most screen, st- screen time of anyone. You know how much she had? 19 minutes and 30 seconds. So uh, here's another point for you then, is the more involvement you have, the less spotlight time there is to go around for everybody. You know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, if you're all about yourself, if you're all wrapped up into yourself and you want to be the end all about everything, that's bad news for you. But if you're not, if you're in for what's best, if you're fighting and you want to be fighting for everybody, you want to be fighting for what's best for everybody, that's a good thing. You know, as a pastor, I say that's an awesome thing. Because I don't know if, you, if you've ever noticed, but like if you've taken uh, personality tests and, and uh, those gift tests and those kinds of things, if you've ever noticed that, that God gave us a whole lot more behind-the-scenes type people, a whole lot more servants than he gave leaders. And you know, you know, that's a good thing, right? Because if we had twice as many leaders as we had servants, that the leaders all be fighting over who's going to actually do the work that they're leading and trying to do, right? I mean, you've got to have a lot of people behind the scenes, a lot of people maybe backstage instead of on stage. You've got to have all those kinds of people. And so the more, the, the more people there are, the less spotlight time there is for any individual. And I think that's great because it's not about one person. It's about us all, okay? So, let, and this is going to be a pivotal point for the sermon right here today, okay? Is you need to understand this. You need to get it. God gave us people. God gave you people. He gave you people. God gave you a lot of stuff, but he gave you people. And 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 we forget that. You know, there there's some people that say, "Well, I'm not I'm just not a people person." Yes, you are, because you were made in the image of God and God is a people person. Now, sometimes we don't like people. Anybody ever get Get at times you don't like people. Is there anybody? There's a few people being honest, okay. You know, last night, uh, Brooklyn and I, uh, granddaughter and I, we watched an episode of Andy Griffith. I know, this, I know this is blockbuster, but this fits, okay. So I just got to throw this in here. We watched that episode where Andy needed a vacation, you know, and uh, he, he tries to get a vacation. So he, he, and in the, in the setup of this, he says, I am, I am sick and tired of this job. I am tired of this town. I am tired of the people. And Barney says, are you also tired of me? <laughs> you know, and, and, and Andy says, well, in a hope you understanding kind of a way, yes, I'm even tired of you too. I mean, okay, sometimes we get tired of people. And, and that doesn't mean we're not people persons. We're not people people. God gave you people. You know, but, but here's the thing we do is we throw up these walls and say, well, I, I don't want, and listen, I can't tell you how many times I've had, I've had people, you know, say, well, I just don't have any friends, you know, and hadn't been in a small group in two years, pastor, I just don't have any friends. And I have to really, really ask God to help me with my sanctification there because I want to say, well, duh, you know, you hadn't been to a small group, you hadn't connected in any way, and you don't have any friends. Well, duh. You know, or, or, or people say, well, nobody cares about me. Nobody's reaching out to me. Nobody wants to help me. Can I tell you? I, I asked Kyle just a few minutes ago, and he, he said he thinks about, he thinks 14, and maybe may a little more than that, 
14 people have chosen to lead or help lead a small group this semester. Guess what? You know what they've done? There are 14 or more people who have said, I want to connect with you this summer. I want to be there for you. And you know, here, here's the thing, and, and I say this a lot of times when I'm talking about small groups. It's when you, when you connect with small groups, you know what happens? You got people to pray for you. You know, if you, if you have a need and you say, well, I don't even know who to call to pray, join a small group because then you, you'll have phone numbers, you'll have connects and, uh, that you can make with people and say, how, how about praying for me? Or, you know, or people who say, I went to the hospital and nobody visited me because I'm not connected. You need to connect. You know, it's a sowing and reaping thing. If you want to reap a connection, you got to sow a connection, you know. They're right there. I mean, people are asking you, I want to be in your life this summer. I want to, I want to, I want, I want to be a part of your life. I, I want us to connect. I want us to have fellowship or, or, or lunch or something. Uh, the small groups are there. Then you've got to connect. God gave you people. And, and so now you've got to open yourself up to them. You know, uh, here's a quote from, uh, from the movie, and this is from Spider-Man, Peter Parker. He says, you can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there's no neighborhood. You know, and he makes a joke about that right after. It is almost like, almost kind of throwing that away. But no, don't throw that away. That is an awesome quote right there. You can't be a friendly neighborhood anything without a neighborhood. You, and you've got a neighborhood because God gave you people. God gave you a neighborhood. I'm not talking about just the community where you live, the cul-de-sac that you live on. I'm talking about this, this neighborhood right here and your neighborhoods of your, of your small groups. God gave those to you, so take advantage of them. Open yourself up. And here's one of the things I really like about, about Spider-Man and the Avengers movies because if you watch the Spider-Man, other Spider-Man movies, the standalone, the, the one where he's all by himself, you know, I, I know he's really not any, really that much older or anything, and, and in some of these maybe not even any any older but he just seems a little older and in these he seems a lot younger and so and so what he's really trying to do it and, and the reason this even comes out of his mouth is because he wants to be an avenger in, in the in the other movies uh, spider-man one two and three and uh, some of the others you, you, you kind of see him almost as a loner and like he always wants to be alone but but now you see him he wants to be a part of the group he wants to be a part of the team and and, and I like that we're seeing this in this kind of more immature or younger spider-man attitude I like that we're seeing this because we also see that you have to look deeper in those other older movies you have to look deeper to see it but he has that same thing because what happens is is uh, you know he, he wants to have the girlfriend he wants to have the, the, the wife the marriage the, you know, the bride he wants to have that life but he can't ever have that because he's spider-man and so here we kind of see him and we see him actually reaching out same thing happens to me and you he said, because a lot of times we get tired of people. We don't want people to be, just, you know, if you want to do, if you want something done right, you got to what? Do it yourself. We get that attitude, right? And so we just do it ourselves, you know, and, and we throw up the walls or whatever because we don't want people messing with our lives or telling us what to, who wants to go to a small group and have them tell us what's wrong with our marriage, right? You know, I've heard people say that. I don't want to go to a small group and them tell me what's wrong with our marriage. Well, if you got something wrong with your marriage, you probably ought to go to a small group and let somebody tell you what's wrong with it, right? Or if you got problems with your finances, you probably need to go to Financial Peace University and let somebody help you fix what's wrong with it. But we get that attitude, and then, and then inside of us, though, we're dying to be a part of it because we are people people because God made us that way he God gave you people as a gift to you Here, here's another quote and, and this was a little little deeper uh, in, a, in a different way and this is er, still early in the movie Bruce Banner the Hulk 
uh, he's talking to uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, who definitely is one of those that just is sick and tired of people kind of a thing. You know, he does like to just do his own thing. He says, Tony, listen to me. Thor's gone. Our, our big guy, the one we really want to count on here, he's, he's not here, Tony. He's gone. He's gone. And Thanos is coming. The bad guy, the, the blue guy in the middle, the blue-faced guy in the middle, the enemy, he is coming. It doesn't matter who you're talking to or not. Now, listen to this. You know, this is, this is what we get to sometimes. Is we're not ready to face things that are going on in life because we're all caught up in something that happened yesterday. And, and like Bruce Banner saying here, he's not the Hulk at this moment. He's Bruce Banner. He's not the big green guy. He's the mild-mannered, you know, uh, scientist, you know. And so he's saying, look, we got problems, Tony. And who you're not talking to is not one of them. Can, can I help you just a little bit here? Is Because what we do a lot of times is we're all whiny about how somebody treated us or something or whatever. I, there was something I had in my notes, and then I kind of started doing it because I thought, man, that's going to really be, some people are going to think that's just a little too ugly and too, a little too, too, little too mean-spirited. If I keep seeing this, I keep seeing it. Uh, today, at, uh, I saw it again. I, I, I really had planned on not saying this right here, and then this morning I go to Jack's to pick up the biscuits because uh, we bring biscuits back on Sunday morning here for, for the load team and, and the worship team and the shock and all, uh, team, the AV team and the kids team. All the people that show up early, we, we buy them biscuits every Sunday because they help us get set up. I just want to throw that in there because I wanted you all to know we do something nice for those people that do that. So we would encourage you to come eat a free biscuit too and get involved. Anyway, uh, just a little commercial there for all of our teams that show up really early, okay? And so while I was there at Jack's today, on, on the screen, on the TV screen, it came up again. And I'm seeing that. I thought, well, this is good. I, I, I'm just going to have to say this this morning. And what, what the story was on, on, the, on the TV screen at Jack's today was about a, 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 a class in university. And, and it, I don't know about you, this is crazy to me. And I've seen this before, but they were doing another story on it again today. And it was called Adulting 101. We got to have a class in university about growing up and becoming an adult. Is that we're not we're not training our kids and teaching our kids through middle school and high school to be adults as we're having to do this. So adult, you know, it, it's about just being mature, about making the decisions, being adults. Okay, and I guess the reason we have to do that is because I can just tell you, yeah, I, I guess so. It doesn't just magically happen when people turn 18 years old that they become adults. But I can tell you as a pastor, it don't happen at 30 either. It don't necessarily happen at 50 either. As a pastor, I can tell you, I've seen a lot of 50-something-year-olds that still need to learn something about adulting. Here's what I'm saying about this, is the world is dying and going to hell. It doesn't matter who offended you last week. The world needs you, and you need them. The world needs us to all be together. It doesn't matter who you're talking to or who you're not speaking to, who you're on the outs with. The world needs the church to come together and agree to get, and be together and quit worrying about that stuff. The world needs a church that is mature and adulting and knows how to do it. Amen? That, that's, that's what this world needs, okay? So let, let me take you somewhere else with this, okay? Heroes say yes. Scripture. All right, this is uh, this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, chapter two, beginning verse three. All right, heroes say yes. Don't be selfish. 
Okay, now, hey, I, he's talking to Christians, but it's almost to me like he's talking to heroes today. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let that sink in. Don't just be about yourself. Be about others. When you ask the question, how's life going, what's happening in your life, stop and actually listen to the answer. Be concerned about other people's interests too. And you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Who's our example? Our perfect example is Jesus Christ. All right? So what is his example in this whole thing about, you know, about me and about others and about how much I'm supposed to be about them? Well, remember, he was God. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a man. He was God. <laughs> he was God, but, but even though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. As somebody said, hey, guys, I don't know who you're talking to, if you know who you're talking to. I don't know if you realize who I am. He didn't, he didn't pull that card. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, talking about being like us, and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So if Jesus Christ, who was God, <laughs> he is God, if he didn't lord that over us and say, hey, I'm God, you treat me like I ought to be treated or I don't have to mess with you, he became like, he became like you. Can you imagine God became like you? And even those of you who messed up big time, he died the death of a criminal. He died like some of us deserve to die. He died, he lived just like us. He is our example. So if he is our example, then we're supposed to do it that way too. And if God is not going to take that kind of a do-you-know-who-I-am attitude, then we shouldn't either. If God is going to be concerned about our interests, then we should be concerned about other, other people's interests as well. So if I can for a few moments, let me meddle here a little bit. Because I think that's actually on my job description as a pastor, right? Meddling, isn't that something that I'm supposed to do every time to time? I'm supposed to meddle just a little bit, okay? Let me meddle here a little bit. Let me say it this way. It's too easy to say no. It has become, in our culture today, it has become too easy to say no. I, um, I actually Googled, um, uh, while I was finishing, I think, I think it was Friday. It might have been Friday when I, when I was Googling. Uh, and I Googled this, uh, just, uh, just, just wanted to find out. Just wanted to see what other people said about this. Just wondered how, how, how much this has taken control of our, of our culture. And so what I Googled was, we have made it too easy to say no. To see if I could get, you know, a few articles on that. Just see what they had to say that I could kind of throw in here. We have made it too easy to say no. Guess how many articles I found? In the first 50 uh, responses, the first 50 that came up, one article was actually about what I Googled. One article was about how we have made it too easy for people to say no, and that's, that one was six years old. All the rest, you know what the rest of them were about? How to help people say no. That ain't what I Googled, but that's what came up because they're not out there. Okay, so here, here's the whole thing. The key is balance, okay? The key is balance. And, 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 and here's what I want to get to you. We, we are creatures of excess. We don't know how to do it a little bit, you know? We don't, we don't know how to do it a little bit. 
It, it's, it's like we're just creatures of excellence. So what happened was, was, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, and uh, we began saying this. And there was, a, there was a, there's a book, and I know this book has been used in small groups here at 2911 called Good to Great. And uh, one of the key points in this, whole, in this whole, not just in this book, but in this whole thing is sometimes you have to say no to good things so you can say yes to great things. Now, that makes sense, right? I, it's like I, I posted on uh, social media this week something about, you know, if you're, if you're juggling too many things, you can't hold anything. You know, and, and so that's true, you know, and so we, we need to pick and choose. But the problem is, sometimes, like it says, sometimes we have to say no to the good things so we can say yes to the great things. The problem is we quit saying that last part. We went too far with that. It's like now, now we're just telling, we're, we're not telling people say yes to great. We're just teaching people to say no. Google it yourself and see what you come up with. Because that, that's all I'm hearing today. I'm just hearing people say it's okay for you to just say no. Just, just tell them no. You don't have to do with that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be there for anybody. No, let me remind you, God gave you people. And he didn't just give you people for you to have people. He gave you people for you to be the people for somebody else. You're the, you're the people that God gave to somebody else. And, and we've gone too far with that. And so now it's so easy just to say no. We, we, just, we, don't, have, we don't have a problem whatsoever just saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Don't want to. We say, and we say no to commitment. We say no to, to consistency. We say no. We say no to God. We say, say no to ministry opportunities. We say no to all of these things. And the key is balance. And the key is balance, balance at home. So let, let me lay this one out for you. Years ago, and some, a lot of you will be able to finish this, this little, little motto or slogan from quite a few years ago with me, okay? But years ago, it was said many, many times, children should be seen Right, children. If in case you didn't get it, children should be seen and not heard. I heard that a lot when I was a kid, especially when I was too loud. Right, <laughs> children should be seen and not heard. And I mean by uncles and grandparents, I heard it from everybody. Okay, uh, children should be seen and not heard. But you know what? Now that's that's way over. I mean that's almost. I mean that, we're so far to the extreme by saying that we're about to fall off. Right. So you know what happened? You know that kind of modulated a little bit. Another generation came along and we said, hey, we don't have time. You know, we're, we're so busy working and everything, but, but we got to do something. And so what we did is we, we, we came up with this thing of, called quality time. You know, that maybe we don't, uh, we don't have the quantity of time that we want to spend with our family, so we will give them a quality of time. Now, that sounds like a really good move back toward the middle, doesn't it? But we couldn't leave it there, could we? We are creatures of excess. We were way over here, and it's like we can't just try to move toward the middle a little bit. We just got to keep going and keep going because in the next thing, what do we do? Now we're going to be friends with our children. Right? You know, now we've gone too far. Let me tell you why we've gone too far. In case you want to argue with me, let me tell you this. Your kids will have a lot of friends in life. They will only have one set of parents. They will only have one dad who says, that's wrong, son. They will only have one mom who says, no, let me teach you a better way to do that. They will only have one set of parents who say, let me help you, let me teach you, let me show you, let me guide you, let me be your example. So saying we're going to be our kids' friends, they don't need another set of friends. They're going to have plenty of friends. They need a set of parents. So we've already come, but that's not where it stopped. We still couldn't leave it alone because literally today I see people worshiping their family. But their family is, is what everything is all about. Every, every question goes, now, now, now listen, you've got to understand me here. I, I'm not saying, because I believe, 
After God, your next priority is your family. God put them in your life, and you've got to take care of them. A man who doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an infidel, the Word of God says. So I believe you've got to do that. But you've got to understand the balance. So how do we balance? How do we know when to say yes and when to say no? Let me give you a quick example, if I can, as quick as I can. You know, there was, when we first got into uh, pastoral ministry, we'd been pastoring about four, four months. And, and I was kind of like Andy Griffith. You know, when he needed a break, I needed a break, okay? I know I'd only been pastoring four months, but I was... Because of that, I was young, I was making mistakes, I didn't know how to say yes to good so I could say, I meant say no to good so I could say yes to great, you know, and I was letting a lot of things just overwhelm me, I needed a break. And so we're going to take a few days off, and we're going to, right before school started, I know when it was, because it was my birthday week, and, and I, uh, my birthday's in, at the end of August, so it was right before school started, we were going to go, and the day we were supposed to leave, I canceled on the family. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, here's the reason I canceled on the family. I, I told the family, I said, hey, everybody, stop. i got to go help our neighbor. I don't know if we'll be able to go today. don't know if we'll be able to go this week because i got to go help our neighbor. Now, if my neighbor had just gotten back from Lowe's and he had a, uh, a brand-new barbecue grill that he wanted my help to put together, that would have been wrong for me to have canceled the family trip to, to stop it because we could have put it together when I got back or somebody else could help him with that, right? That's not why I canceled. When I got up that morning... Um, well, let, let, let me tell you about the day before. The day before, I'd gone to his house because he wasn't at church. And he, was, he had been going to the church I was pastoring for many years before I ever got there to be his pastor. He didn't come every Sunday. His wife was a good Christian, but he had never become a Christian. And uh, that afternoon, for the first time ever in his life, he allowed me to talk to him about Jesus, and he allowed me to lead him in the sinner's prayer, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And then the next morning, I wake up and I go to the window, and we're all getting ready to leave and go on a family vacation. I look across the street at his house, and there's an ambulance sitting in the driveway. And I stop and say, hey, hey everybody, everybody, stop packing right now. Let me go see what's going on. We may not be able to go on our trip. You see, it's about what's important is whatever it's time to do right now. You know, and two days later, when it was my birthday, instead of enjoying family time with my kids and my wife, I was with that family as they were preparing to bury their dad and their granddad the next day. So you said, that, that's, how, that's how we do it. How do you say, sometimes you just got to figure out, and, and maybe this will help you draw it to a conclusion right here, pull all this tightly together, is don't just teach your family that they are important. Teach them that others are important too. Don't just teach your family that they are important. Teach them that others are important too. And sometimes you say no to yourself so you can say yes to somebody else. That's what Christianity is all about. And every day, and I've got I to hurry right here, I know. I, I, every day, and um, we get opportunities to be selfish or selfless. And we've got to choose what we're going to do. A lot of examples from the Bible right here, and I'm going to run through them. And all the stories are right there. I'm, we don't have time to read the scriptures. I knew we wouldn't. They're right there. You can go to the Connect page, the sermon notes, click on them. You read the story somewhere, like just one little verse, like the whole story. Really awesome stuff, okay? I hope you'll follow up on some of these. And I hope if you disagree with me, you'll go look and, and, and check it out and, and tell, me if, tell me how you feel about it after you read okay? But just real quick, here, here, here these are, okay? And, and the first one is Noah. Noah built that ark, right? And he built that ark. One of the reasons he built that ark is because his family was going to drown if he didn't build the ark. So he built the ark for his family. 
and to be obedient to God because 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says he didn't just build the ark. He also was a preacher of righteousness. So he found a way to do what God had called him to do to save his family and also be a preacher of righteousness. He found a way to do, it, to do all those things. He found a way to, uh, to say no and to say yes. He found a way. Or, or, or like Esau. I don't know if you know the story, but Esau gave up his birthright. To his, to his brother Jacob. He was the firstborn, and so all of the blessing and all the, everything should be passed on to him. But he gave that up to Jacob. You know, you know who Jacob was? He's the guy whose name was changed to Israel. He became the father of the nation of Israel. So what would have happened if Esau, in that moment, and he gave up his birthright because he was hungry. He was hungry for a moment. He gave up, he gave up all those generations of blessing. What would have happened if, if instead of Esau saying, well, I'm hungry, or I've got this desire, I want to do this right now today, is instead of doing what he wanted for that moment, he did what was best, would he have maybe been the father of the nation of Israel? We'll never know. And that's the problem. It's when we aren't selfless like we need to be. We miss the opportunity to even know what God might have done through us. Or, or Moses, uh, you know, this was going to be some controversy right here probably. Okay, so listen up real good. And I'm going I'm to put this in today's language. You know what? Moses probably missed one or two of his son's ball games to go do what God told him to do. But because he did it, he prepared a future. He ensured a future for his sons that they would have never had because he did what God called him to do. So maybe he missed a ball game or two. Oh, sacrilege to miss a ball game. Oh, my goodness, to miss a ball Maybe he, Maybe even his sons had to miss one. Go read the story. He, he had to leave his family for a little while to go do what God. But what God did is he prepared an, a, a future for them. Or Caleb. Caleb uh, was 80 years old when they got to the promised land. And, and uh, he went in, and for five years, 80 years old, five years, he fought side by side with all those young whippersnappers out there, helping them find, get their miracle and their blessing and their promise. And then finally at 85 years old, he says, okay, now give me the promise that was given to me for my family. But he fought with others for five years before, and then he got that great, awesome promise, and his whole family did as well. David, David's, David's example is not a good one. Everything we know about David is great, right, except for one instance. One instance where he committed a sin, and then he tried to cover it up with another sin, and then he tried to cover it up with another sin, and then finally God sent a prophet to him and said, look, David, you did this thing that is wrong, and you won't even repent about it and admit that you did this thing wrong. And so, David, and so what was this thing that he did? Well, here's what's more important is for you to understand when he did it. David's great failure began on the night that he had me time. Y'all know what me time is, don't you? The night when he said, there's nothing wrong with me time. Jesus sometimes took his disciples off so they could have some me time because they were getting tired. They needed a break. But it was in me time that David had his greatest failure in his life. If it hadn't been for that, all, everything you and I would have to say about David would be awesome and wonderful. But the one instance, um, and, and, and Esther, I, I, I got to give you this one, okay? Got to give you this real quick if I can. Esther was the queen. And the king, Hasiris, that she was, she was married to, I don't even know how many wives he had, but she was the one he loved the best. And we don't know about her kids, how many kids she had, but we know she had kids because back in those days, you didn't have kids, you didn't get to stay queen. You had to give descendants. You had to give people to pass the royal crown down to, or you didn't get to stay queen. 
So we know she had to have some kids. But because she was the favorite and he made her king over all of his wives, that means she probably had, she and her kids had more family time with the king than anybody else. But you know what she did? When she risked her life, you read the story right there, click on that. When she risked her life, she didn't just risk her life, she risked her family time. She found a way to save a nation and to keep her family time too. She found a way. And, and then last week when we preached about, uh, about the power of the Holy Spirit coming and, and filling the church and 120, you know, we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and miracles started happening. Those 120 people were not sitting in 120 separate rooms when the power of God fell. They, verse 1 says they were all together in one place when the power of God fell. So that leads into this. Remember last week? Also talking about Simon Peter where Jesus said, Simon, you're a reed, but you're about to become a rock. And what Matthew remembers, we, we read it from the book of John, John telling the story. What Matthew remembers, he also remembers Jesus saying this, is he had asked him about his faith, and Simon Peter stated his faith, and, his faith, and, and Jesus said, I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, this faith that you have in me, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That is a promise, not individually, but corporately. You see, I've had people say, Pastor, I've been, I've been claiming that and claiming that and claiming that, but it seems like the power of hell is conquering me and is overwhelming me. And you know what? It will if you're trying to do it alone because that is not a promise to an individual. That's a promise to a church. That's a promise to us together. God gave you people. He, he, didn't, he didn't give you a call by yourself. He gave you a call to walk with people. And that promise of not being overwhelmed and not being overcome and the gates of hell not prevailing against us is a corporate one for us. And, and I guess it's cliche to say, but there, there's strength in these numbers that God has given us. And so you've got to make some decisions right here. Okay, la, la, last little thing, and, and I'm going to bring you to the front, okay, is this. I, I told you about the, um, uh, uh, the spoiler, right? I told you that, that ends up at the end, we don't win. The good guys don't win. But at the end, and when that happens, you know, and I know some of you are thinking, how in the world could that be? How in the world could that be an awesome movie when we don't end, when we don't win in the end? How in the world could, could you guys watch that movie and, and say, man, that was an awesome movie when we don't win in the end? You know why? Because it was obvious that it ain't over yet. It's not over yet. It was obvious. I, I don't know, a few minutes before it ended, I realized, wait a minute, this thing's not going to resolve today. It's not going to be over. But you know what we knew? Is we know it was setting up a sequel. It's not over. Oh, give me that last. Uh, there it is. Even if all hope seems lost, a bigger hope remains, and we find it when we pursue God together. Let me, let me make a promise to you. Let me tell you something. If you feel like you're, you're at the end of your movie, you feel like you're at the end of your movie and you lost, I guarantee you, just as I had as much faith at the end of this movie that the next one is going to, this next one's going to fix some things that went wrong in the first movie, I guarantee you, if you've gotten to what you think is the end and it looks like you've lost, it ain't over yet. The fat lady is not sung. God is setting up a sequel. Something awesome is still going to happen in your life because God is not going to end this thing where you don't win. Amen. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. 
If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.